I've got a very challenging message for you, and I'm going to say it with a smile. I, uh, you know, I'm a firm believer, as Paul wrote to Timothy, that in the last days there will be people who will look for teachers who will tell them what they want to hear. I, I have a conviction that, uh, that I, I have a responsibility before God that one day I will stand before God and I will give an account for whether I spoke the truth in love or whether I just preached what people want to hear rather than what I believe God is actually saying. Um, however, it does need to be seasoned with love and grace. But I, I do believe we have to preach the word of God. We have to preach the Bible. And over, over the years, it, it has cost me friendships because I believe I have preached the truth. Um, and I have a challenging message for you today. And I just encourage you to open your heart, open your mind, allow the Holy Spirit to bring conviction, not what I say, but allow the Holy Spirit to take what I say and uh, let him speak and bring change into your life. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 7, we read, But to each one of us grace was given. To each one of us. In other words, no one's missed out. Everyone in this room this morning comes into this message. Each one of us. Grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive. I believe what that means is he took us who were captive to sin and made us captives to righteousness. He made us his slaves and he's a good master. So, you know, he didn't just set us free. He bought us. He bought us from one slave master and he's now our new slave master. But he's a good slave master. So when he ascended, he led captivity captive and he gave gifts to men. Now this he ascended, what does it mean? But that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he, Jesus himself, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. That's the reason we have apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists. It's for the equipping of the saints, the congregation, the individual members, the each one of us who have received grace from God. It's for our equipping for the work of the ministry. We are saved from sin for good works. And we have a responsibility to find out what it is we are saved for, not just from, but what we are saved for. But he, he gave us these gifts for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying or the building up of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure. It's all about growth. It's all about spiritual growth. It's all about our, our development of our gifts, our callings and our talents for the serving of others. Till we all come to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. Isn't that heavy words? From whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes the growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. In the past 50 years, there has been a major 
increase in the number of couples who live together compared to those who enter into the covenant of marriage. One statistic said that in the 1960s, one out of every 10 couples lived together. Today, it's closer to seven out of every 10 couples live together. Biblical values like discipline, dedication, commitment, loyalty, and integrity have been rapidly declining over the last 50 years. Generally speaking, many of us are very bad at making solid commitments and following through on those commitments. Sadly, it's no longer true that a man's word is his bond. However, as disciples of Christ, we are called to be known by a completely different character. Jesus said, you are a city set on a hill. That is to be seen. That is to be a role model. That is to demonstrate kingdom values, kingdom principles, kingdom lifestyle. He said, you are the salt of the earth. You are to bring flavor to this planet. And when a light on a, a hill is hidden, it does good to nobody. He said, you're not meant to be hidden. You're meant to shine your light before men in such a way that it brings glory to your heavenly father. Why do couples decide to live together rather than enter the covenant of marriage? At the risk of oversimplifying, and I, I don't like speaking too generally about things like this because sometimes there's a lot more factors at play, but at the risk of oversimplifying, I believe the general primary reason why couples today are choosing to live together rather than entering into a covenant of marriage is because they want the benefits of marriage, but not the commitment or responsibilities that go with it. Things don't end up going the way they like. It's easier to bail from a de facto relationship than a marriage covenant. You don't have to go through the process of divorce. You don't have to go through the various things that happen. I know it's a lot harder today for de facto relationships to split. There's a lot more uh, legal requirements now on those relationships than there ever was before. But the bottom line is it doesn't work out the way we want. It's a lot easier to bail. In another area of life, there are more people now than ever before who attend church but are not committed members of the body of Christ. They want the benefits of the church, but they don't want the responsibilities or the commitment. They want to live with the church, but they don't want a covenant relationship with her. They want the benefits of the social connections, the supporting relationships that come with being a part of a fellowship, like this. They want the encouraging preaching around leading successful or fruitful lifestyles. They want the pastoral support through the stormy times, through the times of loss and grief. They want the visitation. They want the encouragement. They want the personal touch of pastoral, mercy-gifted kinds of people. But they don't want the responsibilities of being active members of the local church, like serving 
the church. Like using their spiritual gifts to enhance and cover and inject more strength into the growing health and life of the church. Like contributing to the financial cost of the church's ministries and and mission. We, we want the benefits of the relationship, but we don't want the responsibilities or the commitment that comes with it. When the church is attacked, and believe me, the church is attacked on a consistent basis because it's the only thing Jesus is building on this planet. You won't escape that truth. That's what the Bible teaches. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Some people have argued that point with me and said, but I thought he was building my life. Oh, he is. But you've got to remember, according to Peter's letters, we are living stones that he is building together to make a spiritual house, which is who we are here today. The church is not the building we're in. This is just a roof and walls. The church is you and the church will walk out of here when we're finished. You can hold all kinds of meetings in here. This is not holy ground unless we're here. And Peter says we are are bricks. We are rock stones that he is using to build the house of his choosing today. And we need to understand that when the church is attacked, and it will be attacked because as much as Jesus is trying to build it, the devil is trying to destroy it, trying to destroy it with scandal, trying to destroy it with sin, trying to destroy it with all kinds of demonic attacks and oppression, trying to get people to derail their faith and go off off skew to chase after every wind of doctrine that easily fools us into following things that are just not godly or biblical. And when the storms come, I've seen it over the years, too often when, when it gets too hard and it gets too tough and there's conflict or there's strife or there's division, rather than weathering the storm and standing with the church, we tend to jump ship. But I believe that we are called to build a covenant relationship with the church that Jesus is building. And very much like when many of us stood at the altar and said, for richer, for poorer, for better, for worse, in good times or in bad, regardless of what happened. Like Margot and I have had some challenges in our marriage over the years. Thirty, I think we said 37, wasn't it? We, 37 years. And there are times where you think, I'd rather just live on my own. I'd rather not be in this relationship. You know, if you're going to be like that, if you're going to speak like that, you're going to behave like that, you're going to carry on like that, you're going to nag like that, you know, and that's just Margot's fault. That's not covering mine. But, you know, you kind of think, I'd be better off just living on my own. And there's times where I've even sort of said, you know, if this thing falls apart, I'll never get married again. But then you have seasons where you think, I don't know how I'd live without you. But you see, when you're in a marriage, you'll always have challenges. You'll always have circumstances that are difficult. But we're called to stand with the church and weather the storm and push through because we're supposed to be in a covenant relationship, not in a de facto relationship where we just attend church, but we don't want to be married to it. Being committed to the church requires sacrifice, requires time, it requires energy, but it's the will of God for us. He wants... He wants his followers to be committed members of the local church. He wants us to walk down the aisle and say, I do, to the house that he is building. You know, some can be so, is this okay? I should smile a bit more, shouldn't I? I'm not yelling. Did you notice I'm not yelling? I'm, I'm just, you know, some, some can be so self-centered that they're not even in a de facto relationship with the church, they just sleep around with the church. 
not even faithfully attending a particular congregation. Special meetings at that church over there, so I'll sleep with her a couple of nights a week. Oh, there's different kinds of ministries in that one over there. I might sleep with her one night a week. Different programs and guest speakers at that church over there. I'll just sleep with her a couple of nights a week. Some fall into conflict wherever they go because they take themselves with them. And they fall into conflict. And rather than solving the conflict in an emotionally mature and biblical manner, they break up with that church. And then they start bad-mouthing that church, saying, oh, stay away from that girl. Don't get into bed with her. She's trouble. You sure you're okay with this? (laughs) If we want to be biblical and therefore building our lives according to divine purpose and divine pattern, we can't approach our relationship with the church in a consumeristic mindset. Like shoppers looking for the best buy at the best price with the least expense. Where's the red light specials happening this Sunday? Margot said a few weeks ago when she was preaching, and I absolutely agree with her that, and we have met people that do this. They, they don't lock into any particular church. They wake up every Sunday morning and they say, Lord, where do you want us to go today? And we go wherever the Lord tells us to go. It's not the Lord telling you at all because it's unbiblical. We are called to be planted. Those that are planted in the house of God will flourish. He wants us to walk down the aisle and say, I do, to a specific local church. You know, the New Testament clearly teaches us that every believer should be committed to physically practicing the one another's in church. In the New Testament letters, there are literally dozens of verses, dozens of of one another's that we are called to follow. And I'm going to read some of these really quickly for you. They won't come up on the screen. Neville's fingers won't move that fast. (laughs) Romans 12.10, be devoted to one another. Verse 10 again, give preference to one another. Uh, Romans 12.16, be of the same mind toward one another. I'm not even going to give you the reference. Let me just read. These are quotes literally out of the New Testament. Be of the same mind toward one another. Love one another. Build up one another. Accept one another. Admonish one another. Greet one another. Have the same care for one another. Serve one another. Show tolerance for one another. Be kind to one another. Be subject to one another. Regard one another as more important than yourself. Bear with one another. Forgive one another. Comfort one another, encourage, and I'm not even halfway through the list yet. If you're not planted in a specific local church, how can you engage in the one another's? See, the church Jesus is building is a physical church. And it's loopy for us to start saying, well, I'm part of the universal invisible church. Well, the world does not need an invisible church. The world needs a tangible touch from heaven through the body of Christ, which is done through the local physical expression of the body called the church. How can you do, how can you follow 90% of the New Testament unless you are planted in a physical local church? I'm not interested in the invisible church. I'll learn about that when I get to heaven. I'm interested in finding out what Jesus wants me to do to lock into my part in the body of Christ so that my gift can bring a blessing and an encouragement to somebody else to spur each other on towards love and good deeds. 
Regard one another as more important than yourself. Bear with one another. Forgive one another. Comfort one another. Encourage one another. It, he repeats himself. Paul said, it suffers me not to say the same thing to you again because you're all thick. You just don't get it. So I keep saying it over and over and over again. We are all thick. That's why we're called sheep. Sheep are stupid. And we're all in the, And I'm thick. I'm as thick as you. Well, maybe not as thick as some, but I'm as thick as you. Live in peace with one another. Seek after that which is good for one another. Stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Confess your sin to one another. Pray for one another. Be hospitable to one another without complaint. Employ your spiritual gift for one another. Clothe yourself with humility toward one another. And then there are some one another's that we're commanded not to practice. Do not judge one another. We could just pause there for a moment. Do not judge one another. Let us not envy one another. Let us not challenge one another. Do not lie to one another. Do not speak against one another. Do not complain against one another. But are we actually growing in those areas? These are all characteristics of a covenant relationship. Not a de facto relationship. Are we just sleeping with the church? Are we just having the, the benefits of covenant relationship without the covenant? Or are we contributing? Are you, Jesus wants us to be givers, not takers. He does not want us to be shopping for the best product, the best kids ministry, the best, the best programs, the best preaching, the best this, the best. The, you know, because things change and shift and we're going to keep chasing after the smorgasbord style of Christianity, just feasting from one buffet to the next. No, we're meant to be planted. And when conflict comes, we're meant to open our Bibles and actually just determine how do I navigate this conflict? How do I do this in a cross? Christ-like manner? How do I go through this storm and still be able to stand on the other side of the storm? How can I in the middle of this grow and be developed in my faith and in my knowledge of Jesus and the power of his resurrection? How can I develop in my maturity on how to relate to people? How can I develop and overcome that habit of mine to judge people quickly before I see and understand what it is they're going through? It's called growing in our faith. We're meant to be family. Now, I know there's some pretty dysfunctional families in the world today, but if you've come from a fairly straight, basic family and you had siblings, you know what it's like to fight with siblings. My brother and I did not get on at all. We shared a room together and we fought something terrible. He was bigger than me. I always came out second best. But he's still my brother today. I didn't divorce my brother. I didn't leave my brother. I don't see as much of him now. We're chalk and cheese. We're not on the same page. He doesn't like what I do. He, in fact, he, he has a real problem with what I do. We had our, my dad's 90th birthday here, and he was really ticked off that they're having it in the rotten church. What are they having it in the church for? You know, you Get over yourself. But he's still my brother. And when I see him, I talk to him. When I see him, we relate together. You don't walk out on your family when there's a conflict. We are the family of God and people are walking out on each other, left, right and center. It's not godly. It's not biblical. We are meant to work through our issues with one another. I live with a very strong conviction. And I'm not going to debate this with you, but I live with a very strong conviction that you can't be biblically joined to Christ without also being vitally joined to the church. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15 and 16 says, But speaking the truth in love, 
we may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body, the church, joined and knit together by what every joint you and I supplies, according to the effective working by which every one of us does its share, causes the growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. You can't do that in the invisible, universal, spooky church. You can only do that through the physical functioning of the body of Christ together. You know, every one of us have been entrusted by God with special abilities. Every one of us, to each one of us, grace has been given. And the sole purpose of those abilities is to enhance and safeguard the growing health of the local church. Some may say, well, you know, I don't have anything to bring to the table. What, what have I got to offer? I just don't have any, any gifts. But the truth is, we all have a gift. To each one, grace was given. I was so blessed, and I hope I don't embarrass him by saying, I was so blessed a few weeks ago. I don't know if you, how many of you know Alan Cockrell sitting down the back. He's probably just about to crawl under the seat now that I said his name. But he was out in the kitchen after church washing up some of the coffee cart stuff. And I said, what are you doing? He said, well, I'm just standing around doing nothing. I might as well get in and help. Yeah. I thought, what a great thought. Yeah. Rather than stand around just taking, what can I do to lighten the load yeah. of somebody else? Yeah. I thought, but thank you, Alan. It just, it's just a great, you know, Alan, Alan picks up my dad, who's 90 now and doesn't drive at night, and brings him to the men's dinner. And I'm thinking, it saves me having to go and get him when often I'm looking after other things or I'm looking after a guest speaker. Alan says, well, I'm coming through. I'll pick him up and I'll bring him in. It's, it's functioning with the one another's. Yeah, right. Ephesians 4, uh, 4.16 in the Passion Translation. Now, we're a little bit behind the times. Neville tells me we haven't got the Passion Translation on our screen. I don't know why Neville can't just pull it off the internet and put it up there, but... <laughs> This is what it says in the Passion Translation. For his body has been formed in his image and is closely joined together and constantly connected as one. And every member has been given divine gifts to contribute to the growth of all. And as these gifts operate effectively throughout the whole body, we are built up and made perfect in love. First Peter chapter 4, verse 10 says, Each of you should use, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. I look at Di and, and Gary Pyers sitting down the back there with their grandkids. Now, some of you might say, oh, Who's Di and Gary Pyers? Well, it's the couple sitting down there in the back corner. So I've never seen them before. Well, you know, they just discreetly come in on Sunday. You might think, well, what are they doing to serve in the church? Every single Thursday afternoon from about 1 o'clock, they're downstairs in our kitchen cooking all afternoon for 80 to 100 people. Faye Hayes, sitting down the front here, I saw you earlier, Faye, is in there every Thursday afternoon alongside Gary and Di. Di's doing the cakes because Gary can't be trusted with the cakes. But Gary, <laughs> he's over in the hot section. He's doing the chicken. He's doing the roast potatoes. He's doing the veggies. He's doing the snags. He's doing whatever is on the menu that day this couple are so dedicated and so committed and without them you feel it they went away for a holiday they should never go away on holidays when they have a ministry like that I filled in and believe me by the end it was six weeks I think wasn't it by the end of it I'm thinking man you do this every week 
week in and week out because they've found their place and they're giving and contributing to what it is to make the church healthy and whole and functioning. And many of you come in on a Sunday and you enjoy great hospitality downstairs. Somebody behind the scenes has decided, I'm going to utilize my mercy gift, my ministry gift, my hospitality gift, my, my serving gift. I'm going to utilize that so the health of the church will keep developing and growing. You know, there are many... I don't know what was reading that um, it is the gift for grace, Ephesians 2, 8, 10. For great, by grace you've been saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. There's that we're saved from sin. Let's not just go to church on Sunday, just being thankful we're saved from sin. Ask God, what am I saved from sin for? What good works is it you have called me to engage in? What good works is it you have placed within my life? Last Sunday, Peter Padmos is sitting, and I'm glad to see you've reconciled with your wife. I, I, I came in earlier, he's sitting in the back row with Merv, and Jeanette's sitting down the front there with Jenny, and I said, is everything okay? He said, well, what do you mean? I said, well, he said, oh, no, it's her. He said, if you can talk to her, he said, we'll solve the problem. So um, that, that, that is the truth. That's what he said. He said that. He said, Jeanette, he said, it's her. He said, you... But Peter Padmos comes to me last Sunday. Peter, Peter is trained in coaching. Now, a coach is someone who brings out the best in people. And some people just don't know how to, you know, you know, you don't have to be a great tennis player to be a great tennis coach. You just need to know how to bring the gift out of a great tennis player. You just need to know how to develop that. Peter's been trained in that. And he came to me and he said, look, I'm open. If anyone wants a bit of coaching, if they're looking to develop their professional career, if they're looking to develop in ministry, they're looking to go down a certain avenue, you know, he knows the right questions to ask to get you to bring the best out of yourself. That's what a coach does. It's not, it's not a mentor. A mentor is different. A mentor is somebody that's been where you want to go. And they will then show you how they got there. They'll tell you what the pitfalls are and what to avoid. A coach is different. A coach has just got the... Gary Pyers is also a coach. He was telling me this week that when he still goes with the football team and he pushes them hard and then they ask him, well, why don't you do it? No, I've done my time. He can't do what they do. He's too old. <laughs> he needs a grease and oil change, but I don't really think that'll fix Gary. But, but he, he can't, but he knows how to bring the best out in people. And you know something? I've watched Gary in the kitchen down there. He brings the best out in that team. You know, I walk in there and I think, man, this team is running so well. It's like clockwork. And half the time, Gary's not doing anything. He's just, it's true. He's not, because he's bringing out the best in others and others are just serving. And I'm thinking, this is what the body does. You know, it's just, a, we, we are saved from sin for good works. You know, there are many sitting idle in the church today because they've been hurt. Many people who say, I'm never going to serve again. I'm never going to get involved in that ministry area again. I'm never going to get caught up in that again. I'm never going to trust again. I'm never going to take a risk with that again. It's time to get over the hurt. And it's time to re-engage with our ministry gifting. Stan, when he was sharing around communion, he said something. I had a revelation out of this scripture a number of years back. And I tell you something, it changed my life when it comes to being hurt in church. He talked about Jesus when he was on the cross being offered sour wine to drink. Now, one of the Gospels says when it was lifted to his mouth, he tasted it but refused to drink it. He tasted it but refused to drink it. Let me tell you something. In life, you will taste bitterness, but you don't have to drink it into your system. You can taste it, but you don't have to consume it. 
sadly, throughout my journey of Christian leadership, which is coming up for 40 years that I've been involved in this beast called the church, and it's been stretching and trying. I've had pain, I've had setback, but I've had a lot of joy, a lot of happiness, a lot of breakthrough as well. But you know, throughout that, sadly, I've not just tasted bitterness, but I've drunk it into my system. And then I have to go through the process of letting Jesus extract it. Spiritual stomach pump. Get it out of my system because when it gets into your system, it affects your whole life. It'll affect your marriage. It'll affect your relationships. It'll affect the way you function, the way you do life. You'll, you'll walk around with a cloud over your head. you know. But, but he is a great healer when it comes to getting poison out of our system. I was reading just this week a little bit about David Livingston, the great Scottish missionary and explorer. He said these words, Nothing earthly will make me give up my work in despair. Nothing earthly. What, what, what can man do to me? No hurt, no setback, no betrayal, no, no uh, attack of, of any kind will make me give up my work in despair. He said, I encourage myself in the Lord. And I go forward. We've got to get over the past hurts. It's time to blow the dust off the gift. And I was going to use an illustration this morning. I was actually going to have some, a box of presents all wrapped up. And it was going to represent, I just didn't do it. I don't know why I forgot. But then at the last minute, I thought it's too late. But, but it was going to represent the gifts that God has given me that I didn't pass out. You see, when God gives me a gift, it's not my gift. He's, he's causing me to be the messenger of those gifts. And, and so, you know, you, I, I was going to pull out one gift and blow the dust off it. Talcum powder would have done that. <laughs> it would have made a mess, I'm sure, on the black carpet. But I was going to blow the dust off it and go, oh, this was a gift of encouragement for Merv Curran. I was supposed to give that to him five years ago. It's probably a bit late now. Merv probably really needed that back then, but... Oh, never mind, I just buried that one and never passed it on. Pull another gift out of the box. It was going to be, oh, this, this was a gift of healing for Jeremy Everett. Why didn't I just step out and go and pray for him? Why didn't I just go and lay hands on him? You know, at that moment, it was a gift from God. And that could have just been a gift of faith. That in that moment, because it was from heaven, would have just broken the power of something over his life that maybe would have stopped the process that he had to go through. And, you know, I was going to pull another, another box out. And, and again, these were gifts that Jesus have, has given me that I'm called to pass on, but I, I just bury it. I just don't use it. I don't, I don't release it for somebody else's benefit. Let's not just sleep with the church. Let's get into covenant relationship with the church. What is it you're good at? What is your gift that you are called to give to somebody else? Because he doesn't just give us gifts to here, enjoy this. He does from time to time do that, by the way. But our spiritual gifts are given to be passed on. You know, we developed um, some advertising around the three words, gather, grow, go. I've come to a place where I believe... That is the essence of our vision. We are all called together, but we are all called to grow, and we are also all called to go. That whole thing of gather, grow, go, we're going to throw up on the screen a thing we've called next steps. This is one side of a card 
that we have developed and we have them to hand out to you at the end of the service today. But some people would come into church and go, what's next for me? What, what is the next step? What do I need to do? Some of you sitting here today might be asking yourself, hey, I feel really challenged by this. I feel like the Holy Spirit is stirring in me. It's time to blow the dust off the gifts that I've been just hanging on to. And it's time for me to start passing them on so that I can serve others. You might be asking yourself, well, what's the next step for me? What do I need to do after today? Well, on the other side of that card, there's this pie chart. You are in the middle and it's all built around this gather, grow, go. We've been working on this now for quite some months. But when we gather, we, we gather in places like Sunday services. We gather at uh, next Sunday. We're gathering welcome to church. It's a, you're new to the church. You've just been born again or you've just migrated in from another state or another town and you've decided you want to plant yourself here. It's a, it's a gathering point where you can learn a bit more about who we are and help you make a, an informed decision about being involved in the church. Special events. We have our men's dinners. We have our she events. We have special things that we just encourage people to come along to. It's all about gathering and it's biblical because the Bible says do not forsake your gathering together as is the habit of some, but get together and encourage one another. Uh, life groups is another thing. Life groups are, are different to our connect groups. Life groups are, are like our kayaking group, our cycling group, our motorbike group. There's, there's a number of us going on a bike ride today, a motorbike ride. If you ride a motorbike and you can race home in half an hour and get your bike and come back, you're welcome to join us. Or if you can't, next time around, we're going to do, I think, loop the lake. Is that right? We're going to loop the lake and stop at Caves Beach, have lunch together. Uh, the spouses are going to join us when we get there it's just a great life group it's a great point of connection it's a gathering of God's people of like mind but we're all called to not just park there to not just be oh yeah I'm involved in a church well actually no you may not be involved in the church you might just be sleeping with the church if all you're doing is gathering we're all called to grow we're all called to develop and we do that through things like discovering Jesus I'm really looking forward to this John and I are really excited we're just going to sit around and chew the fat and and I'm going to share my personal experiences in my relationship with Jesus John is going to share his we're going to talk about how we've grown in that relationship how we we've come to know him how we, we we've come to know his character his heart and and what we believe God is like uh, and for me after 40 years of doing that I think I've got a little bit I can share. Jono, he's, uh, he's younger than I am, but he's been on a journey and he's come to know God. He was a missionary son and he's seen life in church that's been good and also life that's not been so good, but yet he's still standing. He's still weathered the storms and he's still moving forward. Our heart is to just impart that to help others grow. Connect groups is one of our greatest ways of growing, but it's also a dual thing. It's a gather point, but it's also a growing point where we want people to just learn about Jesus and know more about how to walk with him. Gen City Kids, uh, for our kids, you want them to grow, get them in the gen. Lee King is doing a fantastic job. She's got a great heart, a great spirit. She's down there. Just She's, she's brought so much new culture to the kids program. Uh, bring your kids along. Bring your grandkids along. Just steal somebody else's kids. Just bring them along. But you just, you know, it's great. Gen City Youth. Luke, Luke is more about making disciples than just about having fun. They have fun, they have lots of fun, but he's very focused on building the younger generation as followers of Jesus. And, you know, bring your, your, your year six to year 12, come along to youth, get involved in all that. It's a grow point. But we're all called to go beyond gathering and growing. We don't need to just be spiritually fat without contributing and releasing that for the benefit of somebody else. We're all called to go. Now, we've broken the bottom section up with uh, two areas. Going is building and leading. 
Not everybody is called to lead. There is a spiritual gift in Romans 12 called the gift of leadership. Not everybody had, I believe we're all called to be a leader in our own homes and in certain spheres of life, but not everybody has the gift of leadership. Some do, and they need to move on into that role, but we're all called to build. You know, if I had a dollar over the years for every time somebody said to me, we're there for you, we're only a phone call away, anything you need, we're there for you. You know, over the years, everything inside of me has often screamed, but it's never come out of my mouth. I feel like saying, if that is true, turn up consistently and help us build. Turn up regularly and, and get your hands dirty and help us build. Now, I thank God we've got a church of builders. We've got people serving in this church Probably the, the, the percentage of people serving is far greater than, than many churches out there. And I thank God for that. But there have been times where it's often the people who are doing nothing with their gift. They say, we're there for you. I think, well, if you're there for me, turn up. Turn up and help us build. Turn up and find your place. I was so blessed when Alan Cockrell's out there just cleaning that. Because sometimes I carry a burden. I walk around and I see a few people doing a big job. And I start to think they're going to burn out at some point. They're really going to feel this. After a while, they're going to go, this is too hard. I can't do this without more help. And the more people you've got on those teams, the more you can roster and you get a break. And then you, when you get a break, wouldn't it be great to come to a place where, when am I going to get rostered on again? I want to do it more often. Rather than, man, when am I going to get a break? We need kids in our kids program. We need kids workers. And it's a lot harder to get into those programs now than it ever was. You've got to go through working with children's checks. You've got to have police checks. You've got to, and we're all for that. But we, we need, last weekend, Jono was not in the service. He said, I want to be up there. It's your first Sunday back. I want to hear you preach. But he said, they need me down in the kids. Pre He's not even part of the city kids team. But he needed to be down there. He's got his working with children's check done all that. He was down there as a ring in because they're running on a skeleton crew. Now, not everybody's called to kids ministry. You will never find me in kids ministry. I can't stand kids. Now, I mean that very, very carefully. I love my grandkids. But Margot knows when they have a sleepover like they did on Friday night, I am often disappearing. They drive me nuts. Puppy, puppy, puppy. What? Like, can I have this? Can I have that? Can I have? Can I have? Can I have? No, you can't. Sure, I'm trying to watch the news. And then I have a flashback. I remember as a kid talking too much. You know, I was always, I was always in trouble. At school for talking. I was always sat out in the corridor or sitting under the teacher's desk because I was a gas bag. I would talk. But now I'm an introvert. I hardly talk at all, except when I'm up here. But I, I remember of a night, my dad would be going off at me. I'm trying to hear the news. Will you shut up? Now it's payback. What you sow is what you reap. <laughs> but if we, if we had more kids workers, Lee would be up here more regularly with some time off. Lee would be involved in other areas of church life and, and, you know, like probably not as much as the team because she's the leader, but the team would be able to rotate. My mother's down there in the kids' program today. How old is my mother's 84? And she just loves kids. And she's down there doing that. And I think, I oh, thank God for people like that. You know, what, are you, what gift are you sitting on? I'm not asking you to do kids' ministry if you're like me. It's the last place we want you to go. You know, you'll empty the kids' program, the kids will hate you. You know, hospitality team, 
you know, one of the spiritual gifts is the gift of serving. But that doesn't mean, oh, I haven't got the gift of serving, so I don't serve. No, we're all called to serve. Jesus is our role model. He came not to be served, but to serve. And we are called to serve. But there are some people who have just an ability in hospitality. They're just servers. They're just, they just love blessing people. We're starting to raise more younger ones up on the coffee cart and, and the hospitality teams. And we need kitchen crews for our welcome to church night. Because, you know, we put on great suppers for things like that. Uh, the creative team. Creative team isn't just about being on the platform. You know, we're not looking for prima donnas. Well, we're looking for psalmists. We're not looking for performers. People who just want to display their gifts under the glossy, glamorous lights. You know, there are people in the creative team. You don't even know they're in the creative team because they're the behind-the-scenes people. It's just, like Melissa locked down here. Oh, she, I can't use her because she gets up here with a big violin. And, uh, you know, but there are people on the creative team never set foot on this platform. Anyway, I'm, my goodness, it's 10 past 11. I've got to wrap this up. The Gen City Kids team, the Gen City Youth team, Gen City Care, you know, like... The team need more helpers on a Thursday night. It's a great team, by the way, Thursday night. It's a lot of fun. Um, but some of us are called to lead. Internship is a great way to develop that leadership gift. Platform leadership. Most of last year, I, I run a group now called Platform Leadership, and it's been by invitation only. I've just picked out people who I can see have something on their life, an ability to preach, an ability to host, an ability to engage with people. And, and we meet and sometimes we come up here and we practice on the platform and preach to empty chairs just to try and develop that gifting in people. So there's an avenue for it. If you have a gift of leadership and you believe you're called to that, I'm happy to talk to you and include you as a part of that group. And it's a great tent. It's about six or seven of us meet uh, about every two months, I think, John, we get together and just have a great time. Team leadership. You know, we all need teams and rostered teams to do various things. And we need people to lead those teams and direct those teams, connect group leadership. Of course, that's... Uh, but we don't have self-appointed leaders in the church. We have appointed leaders in the church. And it's usually because the gifting has been recognized. Um, but you know something? We don't appoint leaders who aren't prepared to serve. If, if serving is beneath you, leadership is beyond you. You know, what we look for are people who are willing to serve. If you're faithful in the small things, you're given great things. This is an honor and a privilege, this platform up here. None of us take it lightly. But we don't want leaders up here who just tell us what to do without showing us what to do. So that's, that's our pathway. What's next for you? And there's always going to be a next step. What what. What is your next step? Well, my next step, well, I'm already in the hospitality team. No, you're not. You're sitting here this morning. Your next step is to be there next time you're rostered on and be faithful with it and to turn up. And then the whole body will be healthy and it will grow. Amen.